entertainment or a harvest. This is something that God in his word has commanded us to do. And because of that, there are blessings in it that we are missing out on when we don't do it. And as you're going to see tonight, I'm not going to give you all the details of how Christ fulfills that till tomorrow. But each night, I, I hope that we're going to build on the importance of this and why we do this, why the youngs are so crazy. Okay? Um, you know, with all of this stuff up here, the bounce houses and the campers, I, I, I'm sure our neighbors think we're nuts. Um, they've got to. But I, I hope that that's not what you guys think. I hope that's um, not what the world sees. But rather they see our love for Jesus, they see our love for the Word, and a desire to follow after Him. Now, if you have your phones tonight, since it's dark here around the campfire, I uh, obviously am not going to be able to show you the words of Scripture. You, I think, will benefit from being able to follow along on a couple of different Scriptures. So we're going to kind of start in Leviticus 23. And if you guys want to go there first, I think that that would be a good place for you to start. We're going to go to Leviticus 23, verse 39. And we want to see what the Bible says about this festival first. Because, like I said, this isn't my opinion. It's not the opinion of a bunch of weirdos that are trying to, you know, do something different in the church, follow a, a new bandwagon that's come along. We're just trying to get back to Scripture. And I think as you go through this, you're going to see that there are a number of parallels or similarities between this festival and the festival of Passover, the Seder meal. So Leviticus 23, 39 says this. This is the command of how to celebrate this. Also on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. On the first day there shall be a Sabbath rest, and on the eighth day a Sabbath rest. So, notice it begins on the 15th of the month, the full moon. Guess what? That's exactly when Passover begins. Full moon. Except for it's on the first of the year, the, the month of Nisan. Now we're in the seventh month of the year on, that, on the Jewish calendar. So, um, there's also a Sabbath rest, one here at the beginning and one at the end in an eight-day festival. This is really only a seven-day festival, but there's an eighth day tagged on to it. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. Well, Passover is kind of the same thing. You, you kind of have an eighth day that's almost tagged on to it as well. So definitely some similarities between these two. It continues here in verse 40. It says, You shall take for yourselves on the first day of the fruit of beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, bows of leafy trees, and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. What I want you to see with that is this. Behind us, or behind me, you see our sukkah. What is a sukkah? It is the singular form of the word sukkot. That ot at the end just makes it plural. And so a sukkah, or, a, or sukkot, plural, is what's being described in this verse. That 
on the first day of the fruit of beautiful trees. You're to take the fruit. That's why you're going to see that there will be like lemons, citrus fruits on somebody's sukkah. There are branches of palm trees, bows of leafy trees, willows of the brook. And it says rejoice. That's why we have these bounce houses. This is a celebration. This is something to rejoice. We've just come off of these other feasts of the Day of Atonement, the, the 10 days of awe prior to that, the, the 30 days of Elul prior to trumpets, where it's been a time of, of preparation, a preparation of the Lord's return. This now is going to be a time for the Lord's return where we will dwell or tabernacle with Christ in a sukkah. And I'm going to explain that in not tonight, but as we go throughout this week. But what you're supposed to do is you put all of these together and it's called like a lulav is what they call kind of all of these together. These willow, the branches and the fruit and all of that. But they do that and they decorate their sukkah with that because of this verse right here. And what they're going to do is it is to be a wave offering of thanksgiving. Well, at Passover, three days after Passover, you have what's called the first fruits. And the, way, the priest would take the first of the harvest and he would have a wave offering, a thanks offering to God. So again, another similarity between Passover and Sukkot here. Verse 41 continues. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. Remember I said there was an eighth day added on to it. It's that eighth day Sabbath, but here it just says seven days. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths or sukkahs, sukkot. So that's where you're getting this from, is the scriptures. We didn't build this just because the Jews do this. We built it because this is what scripture describes, and we want you to see what this is supposed to represent, what this is all about. And I think as we go through this week, you're going to realize it's not about some physical thing. This is about the spiritual that's coming. That's the key. It's not about the physical just like the law of God isn't about the physical, it's about the spiritual. Okay? Anyway, Leviticus 23:43 continues. Why do you do this? Okay, why are we to build the Sukkot? It says that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So why do we do this? So that the generations are going to know that God brought them out of slavery, brought them out of bondage, brought them out of Egypt. A picture of worldliness, a picture of sin. That's why you do it. Okay, Not because it's a legalistic thing, but a reminder of God's grace, His protection, His deliverance. That's why we do this. And so Paul reminds us of this as well. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, I won't be here very long, but if you want to turn there, 2 Corinthians 4, 17. What you're going to see here is Paul basically agreeing with what we've talked about. But he's going to take and he's going to spiritualize what's going on, what the sukkah is all about. He says this, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, which is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. In other words, he's saying, guys, get your eyes off of the physical. Get your eyes off of this world, because guess what? This isn't home. This festival is to get your eyes off of the world. To get your eyes off of chasing after the things that this world has to offer. We are to get our eyes off of the temporary and put them on the eternal. It goes on. I believe that finishes chapter 4. It goes on now to chapter 5 verse 1 and it says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed... We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. This verse encompasses the theme of Sukkot. You see, guys, we are in a temporary tent. We live in this tent, and while we do, we are waiting for God's deliverance. We are waiting for Him to come and take us to not just a temporary dwelling, but an eternal Sukkot or a Sukkah. And you're going to see that the Bible is going to describe that I think that's very literally going to happen in Jerusalem, that God is going to make a Sukkah for us to provide protection in end times. You're going to see that later. Psalm 84, verse 5. You don't have to go there. I'll just read this, but it kind of follows the same theme as well. It says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. We are to be having a heart that's set on pilgrimage, meaning we're not to be so comfortable here in this world that we don't want to leave it that we know that we're not going to be here long, that it won't be long and, and God's going to tell us to move again, that we don't basically love this world. You know, our treasures are not here. And we need to be reminded of that every day. Remember what Yeshua Jesus said? He said that where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be. Let me ask you, what where is your heart? Where is your day-to-day -day thoughts, your day-to-day -day goals that you work for and that you're planning for? Is it to build a better, more permanent home here? Or do we realize that we are going to be blessed if we realize that we're in a pilgrimage here? We're not supposed to be building a permanent home here. That's part of the message of Sukkot that we are to go and live in tents for us to realize this is not home. Philippians 3.13, again, I'll just read this one because we'll just jump uh, off of it here quickly, but 
It says this, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So again, Paul's reminding us that that's where our focus is to be is on heavenly things, not on earthly things. So can you see how this festival is a good reminder of that? That every year that we're supposed to do this so that you don't get so caught up in building a permanent house here, that you are supposed to go live in booths so that you realize this is not home? That's one of the reasons, just one, of what God has uh, given us this festival for. Now, dropping down to verse 20 of Philippians 3, it says this, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So, in other words, as I've said over and over, don't get too comfortable here. We spend a lot of timing settling in, or a lot of time, I should say, settling in by building our homes, buying toys, making a future for us here. Remember what Jesus told that rich man? He said, you know, he stored up all that grain in his barn, and he said the guy didn't realize that it was all, he was going to die. It was all going to be left for somebody else anyway. We need to remember that. What we're building for our kids is a legacy. You know, this last week when I was praying with my family, there, it, it hit me so powerfully that my legacy, I could care less about what, what anybody thinks of me. What I care about is that God is the central part of my life and that God has blessed me with kids who are following the Lord. I'm not saying they're perfect, okay? especially one of them. I'll let them figure out which one that is. We all know. No, I kid. But my point is, is this, is that that's what's important, is that I'm not, you know, I'm not here to leave my kids a million dollars. I'm here to leave them a legacy of truth. That's why I do these festivals, because truth matters. And I want to raise my children up so that they're following the word of God, not following the world and making a home here. Nothing else matters. And if I die poor as can be and my children love the Lord, I'm going to consider that a successful life. You know, Hebrews 11, we're getting into that here on our Hebrew study, but it says this in verse 7, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Noah invested in heaven despite the mocking he had to have taken. Guys, I know that people think we're nuts because we do these festivals. But they can't show me in Scripture why we shouldn't. It just doesn't fit the norm. 
this is what we're called to do, to live by faith and to live by the word, period. By the grace of God. And so we're building a spiritual home and we're going to be rewarded because God has commanded us to do so. I'm not preaching works righteousness here. I'm preaching there are rewards for obedience. I'm righteous because of the blood of Yeshua taking away my sins. That's it. But now, because of obedience, there are blessings, and this is what the scriptures say all throughout. We're preparing. And I just find it very interesting how almost always when we do what God asks, not just about the festivals, about anything, that when we do what God asks us to do, it is offensive to the world. Doesn't matter what it is. If you're following God, it is going to be offensive to the world. So the very fact that this is offensive to the world ought to tell you that you're probably on the right track. That's not always the case, but for the most part, yeah, if you're following the Lord, it will be offensive. It continues in verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which was, has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. In other words, Abraham left his comfortable home, the only thing he knew, in Ur, his father, he left it all to obey God. And then we see that it says that they were living in tents. That they dwelled in tents. Why? Because they knew that they were pilgrims on this earth. They knew that this was not the promised land. The promised land was spiritual, not physical. It was to come, future, not present. And we need to realize that we are but foreigners here as well. Then Hebrews 11 drops down to verse 13 and it says, they, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. They were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. They were pilgrims. That's what it's saying here. Verse 15, truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Do you catch that? Now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. God's not ashamed of them. Why? Because their eyes were on him. So this is why we are doing this. That's as much as I'm going to give you tonight. But we're going to connect this then uh, probably Sunday night to some more things with the commandments. But for now, I just want you to, to think about that as those of you who are sleeping in tents and, and not in your homes, that we are pilgrims here. And we are to remember 
that this is not home. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you in the name of Yeshua. And we ask that you would just take, uh, as we celebrate this festival, as we celebrate your soon-to-be return, that we would look forward to the day that you would come and take us to be with you forever. That you have chosen to live in these tents. That we ourselves are a sukkah. That we are sukkots for you to dwell in. The temple, the holy place of God. But we also realize that these are temporal. And that you have something greater and better. Something that is immortal. Something that will not uh, fade away. Something that... uh, is forever. Let us fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. As we celebrate this festival, we just ask that as it's kicked off that you'd keep everybody safe, that you would just allow it to be a blessing, that we would meditate upon you, and and, uh, that you would be glorified through all of this. We love you. We thank you for the opportunity and the freedom to do this. May you continue to allow it to happen. In Yeshua's name, amen.